I'm Taylor. And I'm Mackenzie. And, and we're, we're twins. twins. I like starting things and sometimes finishing them. And I love talking about television, which made us want to deep dive into TV pilots. So join us each week as we analyze, dissect, and possibly even enjoy some of television's greatest opening episodes in From the Top with Taylor and Mackenzie. Good morning, or good afternoon, or good evening, whenever you are listening to this. It could literally be any time of day or night. If you're listening at 3 a.m., who hurt you? Are you okay? (laughs) Well, welcome to From the Top with Taylor and McKenzie, where we talk about a different TV pilot every week. This week, we're talking about the pilot of The West Wing. And though the pilot is our main subject of discussion, as always, there will be spoilers for the rest of the series. Let us begin. Well, I'm excited because this week we will answer the burning question, what would it be like to have a president whose biggest problem was crashing on his bicycle? (laughs) No country has ever known. Right? No, not ever. (laughs) And we'll just get out right the gate here and say, we're not going to make this really political, even if this is a show about politics. This is is a place for fun and and doing this. Yes. (sighs) It's Friday night for us at the moment, and we're so happy to just... Be melting into our chairs and talking to you all. Don't worry. No matter what end of the spectrum you land on, there's a place here for you. Can I tell you really quickly my runner-ups for burning question of the week? Because I had to. Go for it. First of all, should Rob Lowe run for president? Uh, I mean, heck yeah. I would vote for him as Rob Lowe. I'd vote for him as Chris Traeger. I'd vote for him as The Grinder. If you haven't watched The Grinder, oh it is a travesty that it was canceled after one season. Would you? He'd be really fun to look at on a dollar bill someday. So, <laughs> ladies everywhere would just be looking at dollar bills and fanning themselves. Yeah, isn't that what money is for? Do you have a crush? Who do you think is the the, the crushiest person on a on a bill? I'm gonna go with G Dub. Is he on a bill? Is he on a coin? <laughs> he's on the one dollar bill. Okay, he's just. He's the beginning. He's great. My other very quick runner-up was, does the show make us want to go into politics or run far away from it? Do you know the song Hell No by Ingrid Michaelson? No. Yes. <laughs> well, is that th- your answer? That, that is my answer. Yeah. Never mind. We've mentioned before that many shows air on our birthday, September 22nd, so we feel very special that we share so many important dates in history. To that point, The West Wing aired on September 22nd, 1999, our 12th birthday. So you know that we were watching this live as 12 Yeah, just on the edge of our couch. (laughs) Wow, look at that political discourse. Being like, please tell me more. I don't even understand all of it now and I'm 33. I would not have been there at 12. (laughs) Created by Aaron Sorkin and John Wells, it is a political drama with some comedy, so you could call it a political dramedy. I think you've just inspired a new genre. Yes, certainly very few political dramedies. The stars are Martin Sheen, John Spencer, Allison Janney, Rob Lowe, Bradley Whitford, and our fave, Mr. Dulé Hill. Come on, son! He sadly does not show up in this pilot, and that is my biggest issue with it, although his introduction is great. Before we get off of Charlie, can you give me one Gus quote? Can it be a movement and not a quote? (laughs) Most definitely. I feel like Gus grabbing his collar and like, you know, shifting his collar up towards his neck and kind of like a, what's up, bro? Oh, yeah, do the the nose flick. Yes. Mm. He's just so cool. I thought you were going to activate the jackal switch. I don't know what that is. (laughs) 
he you know he turns on the jackal switch and then he shakes his head like he's going into stealth mode oh my gosh he's the coolest nerd in the world and so when he pulls up his collar i love him would you um you know taylor be his Are best friend Get, right. be his best friend I would time my fist bumps so well, but that's for another time. We will get to Sykes sometime. We will definitely get to that soon. Let's do it soon. All right. Tay, I'm curious how much of a West Winger you are. Is that the name? The West Wingies? I don't know. Their fan base. I have watched two episodes. I've watched the pilot three times and then the second episode where Charlie, a.k.a. Dule Hill, a.k.a. Gus from Psych, is introduced. And that is all I know. Where, where are you at with the West Wing? Well, fans of the West Wing are officially called Swest Swingers. <laughs> Clearly, that is a true fact that I just... Westies? I don't know. That's my dog's breed. Aww, Westies are so cute. My history with the show is that I have watched all of it one time. I've watched the first Ooh. few seasons more times. But that so was all... Like a super fan. That was all when I was older. When I was in high school and early college, I was of the ilk be like oh do you watch the west wing like yes i am very smart of course i watched the west wing which means no i definitely didn't i was too busy watching like gray's anatomy and the hills did you watch the hills yeah i did (laughs) you know you but you admitted it so you're better than many thank you but i am a huge fan of the movie the american president which birthed the west wing out of its governmental loins yes thank you for just steering around something this is what happens when the president and aaron sorkin really love each other and they want to (laughs) show that love through a child are you a staunch aaron sorkin fan by the way i'm a big fan of aaron sorkin studio 60 on the sunset strip sports night have you ever watched sports night i have not oh if you want to watch a man spit out eggnog in a really funny way this is a show for you okay i'll give it a chance and your favorite dad from parenthood Peter uh, Parker. I know who you're talking about. That white guy, yeah. (laughs) You know, the white one. Brian and I did love The Newsroom so much. Oh, The Newsroom. And Jeff Daniels, as a dramatic character, it just fills you right up. But did you kind of picture him the whole time going, oh, and shaking as he poops everything out of his body? (laughs) For those of you who wanted to know, we're talking about Dumb and Dumber. (laughs) We were definitely born in the 80s. I had to get that image out of my head for sure, but it worked out. We have an oil painting of that scene hanging in our, <laughs> in our bedroom. Did you know that Brian actually has a poster of that, um, that moment, and he mailed it to one of his best friends just out of the blue, and then his friend pulled a literal poster of Jeff Daniels on the toilet out of a tube and was like, this is majestic. I mean, that's a pretty good gift. That is a very good gift. And I'm wondering why Brian has gotten me such terrible gifts now compared to that. <laughs> Whoa. Come on, Brian. Well, I know what I'm getting you for Christmas. Okay, we need to get back to the show. We're we talking about the West do. Wing. Mackenzie, hit me with our plot summary. I'm not going to lie. I took most of this from Wikipedia because they said a lot better than I could. The White House staff is being called into work early to deal with the press fallout after President Josiah Bartlett has crashed his bicycle into a tree. Oh, no. As this. <laughs> Did I sound like Rainier? No, he doesn't sound like that. Okay. (laughs) As the staff try to perform damage control, Deputy Chief of Staff Josh Lyman insults an important Christian activist on TV, and Deputy Communications Director Sam Seaborn spends an evening with a woman unaware that she is a call girl. Whoops. It's happened to 
some. None of us. <laughs> Just to Rob Lowe, which seems like that's not a surprise. Okay. He can't help it that he's so beautiful. What I love about that plot summary is that they're being called into work early. It's like, uh, you start every work every work day at 6 a.m. there, and you work till midnight, I'm sure. Well, it's just showing us that they take their jobs very seriously. They do. I'm thinking maybe of adding like a scene one theme song. So here's my attempt at it. Okay. Let's have some fun and talk about scene one. That was really good. I was like expecting a rap or something. <laughs> that really went for it. If any rap starts with my name is blank and I'm here to say, you know it's going to be a good rap. <laughs> what? Well, yeah. like, yo, scene one, get it. <laughs> mana mana. Yeah. All the rap stereotypes, yes. As always, we like to talk about scene one to see how the show gets started. This won't be a deep recap of all the minutiae of the episode, but scene one tells us what the show wants us to know about its characters. And in the West Wing, it wants you to know it has a lot of main characters, and they're all very silly. <laughs> what I think is really silly about this scene one is that it tries to hide the fact that this show is about presidential staffers it doesn't explicitly name anyone but it shows you that they're important in some ways and then it ends with sam clarifying for the girl that he slept with oh my boss potus is the president of the united states like what no way the show is called the west wing and that's what this is about i also knew what potus meant already but maybe that wasn't a Mm -hmm. thing in the 1990s yeah i had that same thought i think my favorite introduction was of toby he's so grouchy and i already can see that which is great and he's like on a plane and he's annoying the stewardess because he won't get off his computer and then he gets an important phone call and like another stewardess comes in and the other one's like oh my gosh you're so important you're getting a phone call about the president (laughs) and it was kind of this like poning moment like see i can use my computer and he was sitting inside of a garbage can that was an oscar the grouch joke and i'm not sure that it it landed it didn't i was very confused like (laughs) what no it wasn't I think of all of these character introductions, they nail, well, they nail all of them pretty much. But I think CJ's, it shows her physical comedy falling on the treadmill as oh, she tries great. to say, I can have it all in kind of a Liz Lemony way. It also shows Josh, who's asleep at his desk that's like super messy and he like wakes up and he's wearing the clothes from yesterday. Oh, it's so and sad. That's a great life to live where you just work all the time. I guess you do get to like hang out with the president. Shoot the breeze with the president. But all in all, it's effective. It gives little tidbits about the characters. You know, Leo McGarry, the chief of staff, he's clearly got so much to do, but he's taking the time to call the New York Times crossword and tell them <laughs> that they made a mistake, which is some, you know, those kind of little idiosyncrasies are basically half of the West Wing as a series. And as someone who hasn't seen very much of it, it lets me see that, yes, we're going to see the ins and outs of the White House, and there's going to be political stuff in here, but we're also going to get to know the characters and their dynamics individually and together, which that excites me because politics, meh, but the relationships and the people, I'm good with that. Yeah, and Sorkin, his ability to give character depth and big moments for all of his characters while also giving very real topical situations Hmm. that aren't like this week is about celebrity sex addiction and it's like some random jokes you know there are very in-depth looks at a lot of important topics and just the way that those are woven in together with the character building it's very well written that's exciting it makes me want to watch more because it feels very lived in like this is an actual reality that we could be watching yes let's get into the production history of the show and i'm just going to start out by explaining 
what the Oval Office is and who the people are in it. I needed to know this information, so I'm just going to say it. The series is set primarily in the West Wing of the White House, which is where the Oval Office and the offices of the Presidential Senior Staff are located. So that's our setting. Yes, and in terms of the genesis of the show, as I mentioned, this came out of The American President, a fine film which was about the American President, if you were wondering. And he has, he's a widower, so he has a girlfriend, and it's a big scandal. Whoa. Whoa. Yes, Aaron Sorkin, he was kind of co-developing Sports Night and The West Wing around the same time. And he was talking with a friend, and his friend was saying, like, you know what would make a good series? And then he points out his poster of the American president. And, and Sorkin's like, okay, whatever. And then he later goes to a, what he didn't know was a pitch meeting. He just thought it was getting to know some executives. And they're like, so what kind of show do you want to make? He's like, um, how about a show about staffers in the White House? And they're like, we love it. And kaboom. That just shows how many happy accidents there are in, in life and definitely in entertainment. Oh, totally. And Sorkin says that his first draft of the American President movie script, you know, the script is supposed to be around 120, 130 pages long, and his was almost okay. 400. So he had all of oh this gosh. extra content. So he just kind of cannibalized a lot of that and wrote this pilot. That's genius. And with how much dialogue there is and how quickly they talk, it does not surprise me that that script was so dang long. <laughs> oh, right. If Sorkin and Amy Sherman Palladino ever co-wrote a script... <laughs> Oh, it would be nine hours long. Actors would not sign up for that. <laughs> well, speaking of Sorkin, I am a big fan of Entertainment Weekly, and I get their magazine because I'm super cool. There was a whole West Wing magazine, which was super fun and timely for this recording. And Sorkin mentions in it that when he was conceiving the show, politicians are usually portrayed as either Machiavellian or just stupid dolts. And so he wanted to create a show where it's the White House and the people who work there are just as competent as like the doctors you see on a hospital show or the detectives mm. on a cop show. And he also wanted them to lose as much as they were going to win. So it was more realistic and inspirational, but also with real people. Do you think he stayed true to that since you've seen the show? Certainly. And it's easier for like, dem since this is a Democratic president and, and Bartlett was written as an amalgamation of I think Clinton, Carter, and some other Democratic recent president. So I think it's easy for Democrats to watch this show and think, these people are making all the right decisions. Why are they not succeeding <laughs> constantly? I don't know if Sorkin always writes the Republican side as well. I think some of the Republicans portrayed just look a little more one-dimensional, hmm. which on the one hand, you know, makes the protagonists look more triumphant. But you are right that he they do lose many engagements throughout the Which whole series. Which makes sense because it's an actual government. And we know how those right. work so well together. And Mackenzie kind of hinted at this, but we tried to record this the week of the election. And we were so stressed <laughs> out about it. We just, we're like, we didn't even know what we we're going to say. And so we've held off. We, we waited until we had a little bit more security and could be slightly more lighthearted about talking about politics. Yes. That leads me into wanting to say that the show has been very popular because it really is about this group of people who like each other and they have this sense of shared purpose because their president is flawed but very admirable. And a lot of people have been re-watching it to kind of get that sense of hope and kindness. It doesn't matter who's been president recently. The last 15 years have been very stressful. So people kind of find hope and inspiration in Jed Bartlett. And some critics say that that's actually a bad thing because it's not realistic. 
But I like being positive and optimistic. Right. And silly as it seems, like to ask yourself, as our burning question kind of alluded, like, what would it be like to have a president that we thought was actually someone we want to follow completely? Right. And it's like, I'm writing a fantasy story about, oh, it's about government, you know, no dragons in this one. <laughs> well, my husband just really wants The Rock to run for president, and I feel like he would just be like, oh no, I fell off my elliptical. We'll say one more thing before we get into the episode. Bradley Whitford, who plays Josh Lyman, had a very good quote. He's talking about how Aaron Sorkin had very little network executive interference as he was writing. Hmm. And he says, It should scare the bleep out of every development person in Hollywood that if any of them had any idea that Breaking Bad was going to be as successful as it was, they would have destroyed it. The same is true of The Sopranos. If they thought it was going to be successful, they never would have met with Gandolfini. And if Aaron had allowed this show to have the conventional network interference, it would have been a disaster. The executives read the pilot, and if you remember, the Cuban refugees were on boats, and Sam and I are trying to figure out whether we let them land in Florida or send them back. The note from NBC was, we need to get Sam and Josh in the water in Speedos. Oh my gosh. And that kind of idea, it's like, let artists make art and not show man junk. Yeah. This is why network people are sometimes very stupid. And when you do read about even shows like The Office, these super successful shows, and some of the reasons they made specific types of episodes or how long the episodes were, it's very much for networky reasons, and it kind of takes the, the fun out of it. Totally. Speedos. I mean, there's some good candidates in the show for that. <laughs> Martin Sheen is what you're talking about? Obviously. <laughs> All right, we're going to speed through this episode and try and get to a segment that we both really want to do. So we're not going to spend too much time on it, but key storyline number one, hit us up, Mac. All right, we got the team, their personalities, their conflicts, but their shared goal, who is the president that they love. Oh, they love him so much. I think one of my favorite parts of the whole series was the flashbacks to president's initial run and seeing like Josh Lyman, who was working for a different candidate, jumping ship and joining him because he's just like dang this guy is legit like that's what you want that seems like real life and it shows why they're so committed to him totally well i got whiplash during the first several minutes of the show because there is so much fast-paced walk and talks witty banter back and forth they're circling through the offices and i don't know where they're going it was very overstimulating to be honest (laughs) yeah 30 rock makes fun of the walk and talk multiple times And they just have Liz and Pete like walk back to where they started and be like, wait, I was following you. (laughs) Well, I did a little bit of research about the walk and talk because it reminded me so much of Gilmore Girls and Gilmore Girls obviously came out later. So the banter and the walk and talk may be inspired by the West Wing, but it was really Aaron Sorkin-esque. I think if you ask anyone who's watched his other shows, what a defining characteristic Mm -hmm. of a Sorkin show is, and it is the walk and talk. And, you know, we have the question on other TV shows, when do they go to the bathroom? And I'm convinced on the West Wing, they just hold it because they do not have time. They They wear a diaper. (laughs) I was going to say they take one large bowel movement once a week, but you're probably right. They probably just wear defense. I just would be okay if you never said the word bowel movement again. Bowel? The bowels of the office. Uh, With that, let's move on to key storyline number two, Josh and Sam's faux pas. Foes pause. Multiple. We really tried to work out the plural of this. Yeah, if anyone can tell us how to spell the plural of faux pas, I'm going to give you a crisp 
bill with Rob Lowe's face on it. George it's not Washington. worth anything, but it's going to look great on your mantle. As mentioned in our plot summary, Sam Seaborn, he sleeps with a call girl, and he doesn't know it. He's telling some of the guys, and some of the women find out, and it's like, ooh, will the president know? No one can find out, because it will come back and blow back on the president. Right, but then he tells a woman who ends up being Leo McGarry's daughter that he slept with a call girl, and he yes. just doesn't know who she is. Like, that's, that might have been the worst moment in the, in the episode for me. Like, it's kind of a funny, like, I'm so frazzled, this happened and this happened, and I slept with a call girl. But if you are on the senior staff at the White House, you're not going to be throwing that around. It's Rob Lowe, so I'm going to let it pass. <laughs> he also accidentally switches phones with the call girl. I don't want to keep calling her the call girl. She seems like a nice girl who just needs some extra She's money. She's a law student. She's a law student. But they actually switch phones because they have the same model. But let's face it, in 2020, that would not happen. You'd pick yeah. up your phone, you'd look at it, and you'd see a baby that isn't yours and be like, this isn't my phone. <laughs> and you couldn't even open it because it right. has a lock. <laughs> What's the other faux pas that runs through this episode? The other faux pas, fouls, pals, is Josh Lyman. He's on a political news show, and he's going back and forth with a Christian commentator. And she says something about, you don't know the God I believe in. And he's like, the God you believe in was indicted for tax fraud or something like that. Just a, a scathing well, remark about mom. Republican Christians. And to be honest, I can see that being a news story in 2020. Right. Like, oh, they shouldn't have said this. But also, it would have just been gone the next day. And they make it seem like he's going to get fired. Right. The entire episode, like, oh no, is Josh going to get fired? What if the president finds out? And this is just coming off the Lewinsky scandal, so it's a little smaller. Just a little. What we see is that they're not perfect people, and there will always be a problem to solve, which is kind of fun to find out. I want to know more. I want to see the problems they're going to solve in the next episode. Totally. Okay, well, you had to talk about Speedos. What was that storyline about <laughs> real quickly? This is a topical story because I don't know how the timing works out between this airing and the real incident, but here we have hundreds of Cuban refugees trying to reach America in whatever they can float on out of Cuba. And it's effective in that it's something that the country was thinking right. about. But also, especially in the resolution of the episode, it comes across as pretty preachy. Because it's like, these people are trying to come to America, and we will take these needy people because America is great and m freedom. It felt free to me. Yeah, it ended up being a very good talking point to make Bartlett inspiring. Totally. Give us a moment to really get behind the president. Yes, he goes from being a joke who ran into a tree into an impassioned leader, which is great. And finally, the president himself. I know. I think there was speculation in the creation process of the series, like, will this just be about the staffers, and will the president just kind of be around? And of course, if you have Martin Sheen, he's going to be around. Right? But he does kind of start off as a joke, as the president who hurt himself running into a tree. In literally the only scene he's really in, in this yeah. whole episode, he comes in with just some like bad A dad energy. He walks in, he zings somebody who has been attacking his staff, so he's taking care of his own, while also being truthful and inspiring, handling the situation. You really are a leader that people can look to. You're willing to say the truth when it's hard, but you're also a human. And yeah. that was beautifully written because that all happens in one moment. Yeah, I'm now realizing that he totally Mufasa's right here. It's like Simba and Nala are fighting the hyenas and then Mufasa comes in like, um, I'm the powerful one here. Let me just tell you what's up. He roars in that deep voice. Yeah, and you mentioned that he does it truthfully. This is an argument between his staff and some conservative uh, Christians who are 
demanding some things after Josh's foul pow. And he quotes scripture at them and... Well, he quoted it in context, let me say. And it was less about who was right and who was wrong and more like they're like little children and he's coming in to say, hey, come on now. You knuckleheads. Yeah. Yeah. The whole episode ends with the whole team in the office obviously very inspired by their president and the Atlantic left a little note about President Bartlett saying that he wasn't some phantom figurehead. He was inspiring, frustrating, flawed, genius, courageous, and paternal. All I thought when I read that was... I want one. I want a president (laughs) like that. Will we ever get one? This is fictitious. We'll see. Yeah. All in all, a very fun episode. A lot of words said very quickly. A lot of walking and talking. A lot of, oh yeah. I mean, their Fitbits are just going crazy right now. Only they had a step counter back then. (laughs) Well, Mackenzie, let's get to what we both wanted to talk about the most, which is... Imagine me shuffling my hands in front of the microphone. Can you hear that? (laughs) So currently, President-elect Joe Biden is picking his staff. So we thought we would pick our own presidential staffs based on our favorite TV characters. Not from the West Wing, but from other shows. Any pop culture people. All right, I will run through my list. And if you need to stop and make a comment about anyone, certainly feel free. Don't worry, I will. And I had a lot of fun doing this. And so I could have named like 60, like Secretary of the Interior housing development, etc. But I won't if go If you guys that. need something to do during the holidays, make your own little chief of staff totally. team. All right. My president is President Palmer from 24, Dennis Hazebert. Yes. Because who doesn't want yes. him to be the president? His voice is the best, and he's a big old bear that's going to fight for America. Come on. My chief of staff is Lisa Simpson from The Simpsons. Oh, my god. You know, in a flash forward, <laughs> she ends up becoming the president, so you know she's got the mental skills. And she's also a pretty she peaceful person. It. Yeah, she's competitive, right. but she gets things done. My press secretary is Seth Wright, played by Cal Penn from Designated Survivor. Now, this is kind of a cheaty one Ooh. because that show is about the president and his staff. And in that show, he was the communications director. But he's just very well-spoken and awesome. And Cal Penn worked for the Obama administration, so he's got the background. So I know he can do it. My deputy chief of staff is Leslie Nope, because she's the best deputy around. She is going to take on 10 times as many projects as anyone can. And maybe you don't want her as your actual chief of staff, because then she'd have to annoy you so she can annoy (laughs) your real chief of staff. Yes, I need a layer between me and her. My communications director is Amy Santiago. She knows how to get a message across. Her grammar is pristine. She's got, she's silly. She'll make some mistakes, but she always writes them. Now, we didn't talk about Mrs. Landingham. She is the executive secretary, like the person who runs all the scheduling and just kind of pones the president when he needs a talking <laughs> to because she's known him for like his whole life. Now, my executive secretary is Abed Nadir from Community because I think to do all that scheduling and work in that role you kind of need lower social skills like you have to just bring yourself into the world of the calendar and put people out and i think you could do that very well that's a skill my head of security slash bodyguard is terry cruz terry jeffords from brooklyn 99 yes because i don't know if the president like hangs out with his head of security in that way or has like a chummy bodyguard but if you had one let's face it that's who you want because he could break anyone sometimes he'll just rip his shirt off (laughs) Show his muscles. And yeah, you look great on a dollar bill too, is what you're saying. (laughs) Exactly. And lastly, 
is the body man slash personal aide, which is Charlie in the West Wing. And I chose Jack McBrayer, Kenneth Parcell from 30 Rock, because he knows how to complete a simple task. You say, go do this, he'll do it. Go, Go find me this fish from this back alley, and he'll do it. That is a crack team, Taylor. I love it. Thank you. All right. Are you ready for mine? I am very excited. I'm overly excited. (laughs) Okay. For the president, I had a hard time choosing between myself (laughs) and someone else because I first envisioned, like, who would I want as my people? But then I chose a president. That's fair. I mean, my gut goes right to, like, oh, of course you'd want to make yourself president. Queen of the... No. You don't actually have that air about you, so it's good. I don't. I would I would be so sweaty constantly. I'd be a terrible president. <laughs> it would be bad. So my actual president is going to be Meghan Markle as herself, okay? <laughs> not not in suits. Although, actually, what's her name? It's used Rachel? Rachel, yes. She would be great. She would be great. Listen, Meghan Markle as a human, she mm-hmm. knows how to be in the limelight but still remain a human. She still has a soul. She also is decisive. She is really well-spoken. Going to look good on a dollar bill. Well, one of my points is that she looks dang good in a pantsuit, okay? (laughs) Thank you, Suits, for that image. But besides speaking for herself and having her own mind, she also knows when it's time to put aside her own stuff and speak for the people. Even though her and Prince Harry left the royal family, they're still doing so much for people Mm. in many countries. So they don't live just for themselves. I think she'd make a great president. I love it. 2024. All right. My chief of staff, that's going to be my right-hand person who runs my campaign. And then when I'm in office, or Megan, me or Megan, okay, (laughs) um, my chief of staff is going to be Kim Wexler from Better Call Saul. Now, I know you haven't watched the show, but if any of our listeners have, she is a straight-up boss, okay? She's a lawyer handling massive clients as well as the politics inside of large and small firms. You need your chief of staff to be able to be your biggest championer. Mm -hmm. Like they believe in you, but also just give it to you straight. And she is amazing at both. I love it. It makes me want to watch that show more. Oh my gosh. She also has an amazing bouncy ponytail. It would be amazing (laughs) on the walk and talks, bouncing up and down. All right. Moving on to my deputy chief of staff working with Kim. A little bit of a good cop, bad cop. My good cop is going to be Jeff Probst, host of Survivor. <laughs> All right. I love it. Now, he, he for his whole career, has been the master of brokering conversations between different parties. Totally. And you just want to work with the guy, you know? <laughs> plus, plus dimples. <laughs> we are lining up a hot cabinet right oh, now. Oh, I mean, Megan, Kim, Jeff, come on. It's only getting hotter from here. My press secretary, Taylor. Tahani Ajamil oh from The Good Place. If you know The Good Place, Tahani is this drop-dead gorgeous aristocrat who name drops like nobody's business. I feel like for my press secretary, she's going to be the face and voice of my administration. Tahani would know how to make me look good. She's got the wardrobe. Right? She would just basically make me look better than I am. And she's also really smart and empathetic and can deliver a sick burn. Lorian also suggested Tahani. For the, for the press secretary? Just for her air of power. Right? But she can still be empathetic. She's amazing. Okay. Well, I'm going to share a Parks and Rec person with you. My communications director is going to be Tom Haverford. Tommy Haves. Communication directors, they are speechwriters. And I think he'd be amazing as a grown-up version of Tom. <laughs> I think he's, he's grown past the Entertainment 720 phase of his life. And he just spins zone so well. 
I have, a, I have a question. Would John Ralphio be involved at all? He would be the janitor. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I just need you to imagine for a minute. I, Taylor, close your eyes. Listeners, imagine with me Tom Haverford and Tahani Ajamil working together as my press secretary and communications director. I mean, I mean, T Dazzle, H2 Flow. All right, I've got two more for you. My personal aide, my body woman, would be Millie Bobby Brown, also as herself. <laughs> I wanted somebody who felt a little bit younger and someone I could kind of influence with my charm or Meghan Markle. I still haven't decided who's going to be president here. MBB, she has her own businesses. She's produced a successful movie, Enola Holmes, which is amazing. And she also just seems like a lot of fun. To but be wait, you wouldn't want Eleven, who you could be like, Eleven, hand me that thing, and she just telekinesis it over to you legitimately i thought about putting her in several other roles but i'm like she doesn't talk very much and that would be a little irritating so i just think that mbb who's 16 right now she would just keep me in the know with all the cool happenings of life that is a good point and i'm already out of touch at 33 so if i'm president in like 10 years she will really help you with the youth vote my final one is my secret service agent the one and only aria stark (laughs) yes i love that has there ever been a bigger, like, duh in life? But, I mean, because it's one thing to have your bodyguard, you know, take a bullet for you. But it's another thing for the assassin. You know, you got, like, a sniper in a tree. He's, like, laying it up. And then out of nowhere, this squirrel pulls off its face and it's Arya. And it exactly. <laughs> Being able to change faces with people would somehow just politically come in handy. And she can, like, she literally murders someone while she's blind. So she'd really protect me. I'm... I'm sorry, Terry Crews, but yeah, you're in trouble if, if Arya Stark comes after you. I now want this just to be like my posse in life. I need this to be my, my squad, as Taylor Swift would say. I am a big fan of everything you just said. Thank you. Just imagining a world in which Arya Stark and Meghan Markle like, were these oh real gosh. people and real beauties of fiction get to interact. Meghan Markle 2024. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining Joe Biden with Millie Bobby Brown, like, kicking the... <laughs> Please, we need that. Universe. Okay, Mackenzie, let's get into our wrap-up questions. I want to know, does this pilot have a message? Wear a Fitbit? Um, okay. <laughs> the thing that I took away from it is everybody's a human. Whether you're a high-up official in the Oval Office or actually the president, everybody's humanity shows at some point, and that's often a very good thing. You don't always want to see that in your officials, but actually it's good because then they're not like Hitler or Oh, yeah, having someone who will say, you know, I made a mistake. Who doesn't want that? We all need that. I would just love any politician to answer a question exactly as posed. That's it. All right, in 2024, I'm running for president, and my platform is just answering (laughs) questions and not politicking around the answers. Not BSing. Okay, that's too political. Too political. My message is don't mess with the president. And I don't mean specifically Jed Bartlett, although that is a great example because he just pones everyone. But let's face it, like whoever is the president, they're the most powerful person in the world. And you're going to get put in your place if you try to go toe to toe with them, basically. Right. Even if you're a grandfather, he's going to zing you so hard mm-hmm. in front of your friends. Mm-hmm. To be cheesy here, do they land the Air Force One? Or do they pull a soul? Uh, I was going to ask you that. <laughs> Darn. Ah, see? We both do terrible dad jokes. 
they do land the plane. They do land Air Force One, sorry. I mean, they're gonna, even if it doesn't land, they're gonna parachute out of it and be totally safe. So it's fine. They gotta save that president. <laughs> you know, some things are unbelievable. As I mentioned before, a staffer's not gonna readily tell some stranger that he slept with a prostitute. But overall, it is a solid pilot. Um, as you keep watching the show, you see that there are so many little tidbits of life that are mentioned in a way that is trying to make the character seem quirky, like the way that Leo is with his crossword puzzle. Hmm. And sometimes that gets a little stale, especially if you watch every Sorkin show. You just know that's just like, okay, why are they talking about this random news story like 10 times? But here at least it's very fresh. And the characters are all very likable. For a show that could be boring because it's about politics, the characters very much are likable. Yes, yes, yes. Very good point. Mackenzie, do they save the president? Uh, Taylor, we really missed an opportunity to make some Harrison Ford jokes. I'm, um, I'm not proud. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm disappointed in myself, but more in you because let's face it, you are, have worn oh. a Harrison Ford T-shirt on this show. He just punches somebody on Air Force One. Come on, who doesn't want a president who can throw a good punch? <laughs> I think they land the Air Force One with a few bumps. It's obviously got a ton of potential. Sorkin's writing is great. The characters are interesting. I think the only thing for me was that maybe I want my drama to be slightly dumber. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Like I said before, it was a little overstimulating, and I couldn't quite keep up with some of the political lingo and all of that. It was heartening to know that the characters were there, so it's not all going to be about politics for me. But it made me wonder, like, can a wide-reaching audience enjoy the show with this much high-concept content? I don't know. Yeah. Obviously, it worked out. Tons of people love it, but that was my one qualm. Yeah, it's it's not an easy show to binge. I will just be honest and say I don't know if I'm going to watch anymore. And I'm sad because so many people I know have loved this show. I think that there are so many amazing dramas out there right now that I want to get something that sucks me in a little more mm -hmm. and that I just fall in love with the world and I don't know if I'm there yet. So I feel like a bad person. As a doctor, I'm prescribing you to watch Sports Night because it is lighter. It's only 30 minutes. So it's easier okay. to digest but it gives you still a lot of the Sorkin punch. Punch in the heart. Well, thank you, Dr. Taylor. Well, there's a lot of stars in this episode, Tay, so who is your breakout star for The West Wing? This series is chock full of stars. So yes, it's tough. I was reading through Wikipedias to see filmographies of all these actors, and it seems like Allison Janney wasn't huge. Hmm. And now she is, so because of that, she's mine. And I also like to take this question as, like, who was the star? Who made me keep watching? And it was definitely Martin Sheen. And again, he's not... Oh, yeah. He's super famous, but just the power with which he concluded the episode. I was like, okay, I'm going to watch episode two because of that. I will steal that breakout star because I didn't have one. I was starstruck by all the stars. When everybody is looking at the president, like their eyes are almost glassing over because they love him so much, <laughs> I felt that way too. Like, okay, Mr. Sheen. So he's my breakout star. He's the star of my heart today. It would be Dulé Hill, but he's not in this episode. Oh, yeah. That is a bummer. To flip the script, I want to know, who is your Joel? Who do you want to punch in the face? Now, if you haven't listened to other episodes, Joel Maisel from The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel was such a tool in the episode that we just wanted to sock him in the bopper with a sock and bopper <laughs> sock and bopper <laughs> all right mac who did you want to suck you're gonna want to sock me after this um i said aaron sorkin <laughs> uh. 
Oh, gas. Listen, the show is great, and I totally get why people love it. I think I just had some whiplash, and there's so many people. So it's a defensive sock. You're like, whoa. Yes. Okay. I like the show. Aaron's great. I love the newsroom. It was just intense. That is valid. I wanted to punch. Now, this is a very easy one, I think, because you're <laughs> supposed to hate them. I wanted to punch Mary Marsh so much. Oh, my gosh. She was the right-wing nut job in this episode. And, you know, she's such a caricature of, like, an evil Christian. Like, TV has too many of those. Right. I will forever stand by my opinion that Ned Flanders is the best depiction <laughs> of a Christian in media. Even though he's, like, very hey. dorky. Like, there's episodes where he has, you know, faults and he has crises of faith. But he's kind to people no matter what. No matter how much they beat up on him. And he just spreads the name of Jesus. All that said, this woman is just a dick. <laughs> I like that President Bartlett verbally punched her in the face. Oh, totally. With his zinger. It made me sad as somebody who really loves Jesus and who loves Christians that this woman was so about her agenda, but Mm. she actually cared less about her faith and more about literally saying, what am I going to get out of this? Right. You give me a deal. And that was her bottom line was what she was going to get. And I know that's politics, but to me... That doesn't go with Jesus. So yeah. it was very cringy to watch. Very. And I'd love to punch her in the face. <laughs> That's very Jesus-like of me, okay? <laughs> I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> Taylor, because you're my twin, and I'm your twin, it works both ways there, um, who is your twin of the episode? This was a very tough one. You know, all of these characters are high-powered type A people, none of which right. are me. So my, my gut went to, you know, I want to be Charlie because that's a role I would love, you know. I just want to support right. you and I can go do things that are a little easier. Like, tell me what to do and I'll do it. But he wasn't in the episode, so I'm not going to do that. But I will go to the assistant level because that's similar. So I'm going to say I'm Donna Moss, Josh's assistant. <gasps> Donna's great. Because she's great. She's very silly. She gives Josh, she pushes back against Josh. <laughs> and especially in that high stress environment i can just see like the silliness just spilling right. out sometimes in the wrong time in the wrong moments but often just to help everyone get through the day you're good at adding levity and her full name is donatella which is great what that's magical i also wanted to be charlie because i think i do have a dream of being an executive assistant which is so nerdy but he wasn't in the show this might raise some eyebrows, but I said my twin of the episode was Sam Seaborn. Sammy C, I, I love it. Listen, I have not made the same mistake that he made, which I won't name here, but I believed in his kind of naivete and trustingness. He really mm-hmm. likes this girl, and he thinks that it can work, even though his job is not going to let that happen. I am that way also. I say this out of love. There's a scene where Sam has to give a tour of the White House to these kids, <laughs> and he just makes up all these facts about the White House, and the teacher's like, uh, what are you doing? Those are all wrong. You're stupid. And in a very nice way, I think you would be very lovingly funny doing that. I made a note about that. I was like, listen, he doesn't really know his way around the White House, and in a directional way, I would not either. <laughs> he, he wouldn't get lost because he's worked there, but I don't know. I would get lost in a paper I'm bag. There I once you. got lost in a parking garage literally and our dad had to come get me out of it it's, so it's a lovely he doesn't know story. the history i don't know the landscape <laughs> <laughs> thank uh, you for bringing thank that god up. for gps the, oh 
that ain't that the truth literally my almost nine-year-old since he was about four he'd be like mom don't we turn here when we'd be driving and i'm like yeah we do i'm taking that fun he has such a better sense of direction oh it's great i'm glad he could inherit that from his dad hopefully freddie gets that from lorian too that's the one thing we don't want to pass on otherwise we're great people (laughs) all right Mackenzie. now i'm gonna put you as the press secretary so you're up in front of the press corps and the press corps asks Miss Roland, I mean, Miss Roland, Miss Byersdorf, Miss Byersdorf, are you picking up this show? Please use that voice all the time. Also, my name used to be Roland, so it's okay. I'll let that pass. I would, yes, pick up this show, even though I have criticized it. I see the cast, I see the potential, and people would view it just for the cast, I think. They'll come back in numbers. This is going to be a moneymaker. I also think that their chemistry is amazing, and with just the little glimpses of both sam and josh's kind of backstory highlights i have a feeling that the show is going to be more about the ensemble than current events so that'll keep me interested the press corps is satisfied with that answer thank you sir (laughs) all right taylor you are in your best pinstripe suit you've got a bright red pocket square and some sort of amazing tie i don't know what what guys wear this is i'm losing you already (laughs) would you pick up this show would I pick up the show? Going as deep as I can into the executive mind, as you mentioned, people are going to come back for the ensemble. So yes, it is an original idea. No one has done this type of show about the White House. And most importantly for me, we talked about the paternal, amazing nature of President Bartlett. Like everyone hopefully wants a president that they can follow. And that is what a story that I want to see told. So let's give them six seasons in a movie. Well, they already had the movie, I guess, counting the American president. So let's give them six seasons. I love it. I do think based on what you said that there are a lot of inroads to the show. Maybe you are looking for a little bit sappy, inspirational, those bigger moments, or you like the witty banter. There's a couple inroads, no matter where you're coming from. And I'm imagining at this day and age, if this was being made right now, being like, Oh, I don't want to not watch the news again. I'm just going to watch The West Wing, and that's, like, close enough. If only. If only. Mm-hmm. Well, it was fun to talk about politics in a way that felt uplifting <laughs> and be, non-controversial. <laughs> yes. So if you're looking for something to watch, maybe watch the show. Or maybe don't, because you'll be sad that it's not actually like that. But either way, you'll get some Rob Lowe and Martin Sheen. Mm-hmm. You can't go wrong. So get some Rob Lowe and a Speedo. Oh, wait, no. Wrong wrong show, just with a different executive. <laughs> Speaking of what to watch, I'm wondering, we are recording this over Thanksgiving break. We're all kind of cozied up. There's not much to do because, if you haven't known, we're in a pandemic. Taylor, what's something that you are going to watch this week while you're kind of laying low, having a little bit of a break? I'm going to watch some The Mindy Project with my wife. We're going through that show currently. I love it. Love me some Danny Castellano. And I'm going to watch the movie. You're going to dance a little, shimmy? <laughs> I will most certainly do that. And I'm going to watch the movie Parasite. I've been meaning to watch that. Oh I've heard it's gosh. amazing, so I'm very pumped. I cannot wait to hear what you think because it is so good. I think I know exactly what you're going to say because you've been mentioning it to me all week. What are you going to watch? A certain show with a mustache and some <laughs> British people in it. I told Taylor at the beginning of this that I was definitely going to talk in a British accent at some point because I've been watching The Crown and Ted Lasso. Listen, you guys, I had no idea what Ted Lasso was about. My husband was bugging me. Then I started seeing all over the internet. And I was just, I don't know. 
Am I really a Jason Sudeikis fan? Not really. This show is literally one of the best shows. There's my Chris Traeger for you. (laughs) I actually have not seen a show in a while that gets you this sucked in, believing the characters and knowing exactly who they are within like an episode and a half. That takes a lot of shows an entire season to do. That is tough, yeah. I have legitimately laughed, cried, and now I talk in a British accent. There you are. Did I explain what the show's about? Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hope you had fun. As always, let me play the theme song for next week's show. Thanks so much for listening this week, guys. We love dissecting these pilots together, and it is so fun to share it with all of you. If you've enjoyed our podcast, there are three easy ways you can share and interact with us. First, make sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Second, share our show with a friend and leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcasting app. These reviews actually help more people to find our show. And finally, we love interacting with you. We want to hear about which pilots you want us to analyze next, your twin of the episode, or if you've got a beef with any of our opinions. So come find us at fromthetoppod.com or on Instagram or Facebook at fromthetoppod. Thanks for listening on From the Top with Taylor and Mackenzie.